0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome into Crunch Time right here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, the game. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in today for Matt Miguez, who's out. On vacation, But the main man, James Mesh, is still with us today, controlling everything behind the glass and keeping me in check. And if you so dare, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and on 133 LUS Fiber. I don't know why anybody would want to see me, James, but if they would, God bless them, they could head there and watch right now. We have a fun show on tap for you today with a lot of action. We have some poll questions we're going to get into, and we have some wonderful guests. We'll start out with the guests at 4.30 Landry Locker's going to join us. He's out of Houston. Sports Radio 610. Host of The Loop over there, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. He's going to join us. We're going to talk Houston Astros. Got a much needed win yesterday after falling the night before. Tonight, they take on the A's live in the juice box. And of course, you could hear that action right here on 103.7 The Game. And then at 5.30, my main guy joins us, Blake Ruffino of RU Serious Sports, where we're going to talk all things LSU Tigers, the crazy run that they're on right now, picking up recruits, which just seems daily. Seems like I'm waiting for the next – I'm waiting for James behind the glass right now just to give me – you know, throw the hand up. Let me know it's come across again that Brian Kelly has struck – we're going to talk about that. What to expect as LSU's coming up on opening camp, SEC media days a week ago, a week from now, and as James just mentioned, in the two-minute drill. The MLB draft starts on Sunday this year. I'll have some thoughts on that too. Sunday start on the MLB draft. We'll talk about you know where Jacob Berry's going to end up. K. Doty. Also, there's a lot of talk about some of these prize recruits. Maybe pulling out. We've already saw Paxton Kling pull his name out of the draft, said he's coming to LSU. He was a top 50 to 60 prospect on the top 100 list going into the draft. Huge get. I mean, that's pretty similar to where Dylan Cruz was just a couple years back. So he's going to make it to Baton Rouge to play for Coach Jay Johnson in the Bayou Bengals. We'll talk about that as well. I do want to get into our poll question because yesterday we had so much fun. Yesterday's poll question talking about where Sean Payton will end up next. You you guys, you guys out in the Kidiana, love that question too because you guys blew up the game hotline, which you can always get in on 337 706 0111. But today, we're going to keep it light and simple. We've been counting down the days to camp. You know, we got only 11 days till till training camp starts. And we're going to talk about is there an odd man out in the defensive secondary for the Saints? You know, the Saints went on a little bit of a spending spree this offseason, picked up some new faces. Some of the old guys might be out. Some of the new guys, I I think James is going to have an interesting take for us. Some of the new guys, maybe they don't quite make the the cut and and make the roster when we come down to open the season. It's so close, so, so close. Football, SEC media days, just a few days away. And, of course, we're going to ship RP3 and Matt Mesh uh, over there, to excuse me, Matt Miguez over there to cover that for us. So it, it, a lot of exciting times, a lot of fun. I want to get in a little bit on this poll question that that James put up there counting down to Saints training camp, and I'm going to bring James on right now. So James, a lot of pickups, right, in, in this offseason. Saints coming in, making some purchases, bringing some guys in. They can play multiple positions, highly touted guys, too. Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, big time guys. Like you don't know Jarvis isn't a defensive back, but in your mind right now, who's the guys that you think just don't make it? You you think, hey, we brought this guy in, and then mm, I don't know, maybe he doesn't make the roster. Come come start
2: of the season. The two names that come to mind right away, I would have to say are Daniel Sorensen and Justin Evans. Sorensen played for the Chiefs with Tyron Matthew for the last few years. And I, I've seen some videos where Daniel Sorensen he's not good in coverage and they, they had him a lot at deep safety. So and, and you would see him you would kinda, see it you would see him. As a, <laughs> yeah, and you see it, you'd see Tyron kind of covering the middle of the field, kinda covering the fifteen yard range, and then he'd look back because he saw the QB throw the ball and he's like, Really? Daniel, you gave up another deep shot? So I feel like if Tyron Matthew has any sort of say in who is gonna get cut. He's going to be like, please don't keep Daniel on the team. I already know how he's not going to help us. Not to mention, whenever they first signed him, they said, he's probably not going to play defense. We would more often than not have him play special teams. But knowing the Saints and how they like familiarity, I think they already, they already like most of their guys when it comes to the special teams. People like JT Gray and Thompson, who's another secondary player. I think they like them more, and I don't feel like Daniel Sorensen at 32 years old will be good enough to somehow overtake them.
1: Interesting, though, that you bring these guys in, right? Bring them in the training camp. I know it's a body that you need. Um, It's funny right now that the depth chart I'm looking at has him listed as a a strong safety with with Tyron playing the free. Um, You know, I think I I, kind of lean the same way as you it's going to be interesting to go through camp with some of these guys and to go through the preseason to see where they actually play these guys, right? You know, I I know you put Tyron at the free, but he's kind of a free floater, if you will. You know, he could play a multiple uh, number of positions. You know, the nickelback, of course. You put uh, him in the box. Yeah, I mean, he could get down there and get dirty. He's not afraid. And, I mean, you you know, you got guys to play a lot, a lot of football for you, uh, you know, in in the past that will – That'll still be there. So I, I kind of lean with you there. I don't think Justin Evans is going to be a guy that's going to be there when, when the when, when training camp wraps up. I, I just I, I don't see it. Uh, what about some of the other new guys coming in? You know, a, a youngster like, like
2: Smoke Monday. I like Smoke Monday mainly because of the name. I, if he's going to make the roster, it would have to be on the special teams. But with the familiarity and how they like to go to people that they can trust and they already know, I feel like Smoke would have to go above and beyond on the special teams and really stand out for him to have a chance on this roster. You're going to see him play defense. Same thing with Justin Evans in the preseason. But when it more comes to the final teams, cut, buddy. when when it comes to the final cuts, I think Smoke Monday will be more of a practice god piece when it comes down to it.
1: So, I mean, we're talking a lot of marginal guys, but when you talk about penciling guys to be starters and guys that you think are just absolute no-brainers out there, you know, the – the and Johnson even the backups, Gardners, you know the yeah the PJ Williams, the the uh, the Lattimore's, the, the tyrants of the world. Uh, who else is in there? Who who you think starts opposite corner?
2: Opposite corner, Of, of, unless, of Lattimore, unless somebody like Alante Taylor or Bradley Roby just has a, an amazing camp. Paulson a Debo. You,
3: so you he played roll with a
2: Debo. He played he played starting right corner last year and he showed a lot of good signs especially at the end of the year. He had that one-handed grab in week 18 against the Falcons and he made a lot of good plays throughout the season. I think unless he just has a falling out party somehow, you got to believe he'll be the starting right ta- right cornerback opposite of Marshawn.
1: Yeah, I, I like what Alante Taylor brings to the, the the team as well. You know, he's a long cornerback. I, he can you know playing the nickel spot a little bit too. I, I, I like what he brings a little bit, a little bit dynamic type of player. Um, I think you're probably right there um, at the strong safety spot. You know, Marcus May, you think he's locked and loaded right there? You think that's a,
2: a camp battle? I think no, I think he's pretty much locked in. It just kind of de- depends how it's how you're going to utilize Tyron, right? I was going to say, and, and you can kind of switch them both because when Marcus played with the Jets, he initially played free safety. So he's playing more of a Marcus Marcus Williams type role where you can play single high and let him just cover the deep ball on both sides of the field and just kind of recover. I mean, that's a luxury to have, right? Guys, they have a lot of versatile players. They for do. Sure. A lot of versatile guys, you know.
1: Even a even a guy like PJ Williams and, and Chauncey Gardner, Tyron, those are all guys that could float multiple different positions, not afraid to play in the box, cover the tight end, you know, get out wide a little bit as well. I, I love the flexibility of this Saints secondary. But the question is, who who doesn't make the squad and who, who you cut? I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Daniel Sorensen's got to be; uh, he's going to have to have a standout camp in order to make this
2: team. And I think at age thirty-two, it he's on the back end of the career. And I don't. So 32, I don't... Is
1: thirty-two is old. Thirty-two <laughs> old football okay Okay. don't don't hurt my feelings over here man Uh, i'm not i'm not trying to of course you can get on the action if you want to call us up on the game hotline 337-706-0111 and tell us who you think is the odd man out in this saint's retooled secondary the versatility of this secondary that's what i like there's a lot of different guys that can play a lot of different positions and that goes a very very long way when you want to look at uh, especially the way the modern games played in the nfl Let's take a quick look across the pond, though. We didn't talk about the, the Open Championship at all yesterday. Today, Cameron Smith in the lead right now, 13-under. Cameron Young, two Camerons, back-to-back on top of that leaderboard, 11-under 11 11 right now over at St. Andrews. A couple shots back of the leaders, a few shots back. Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland join that group at 10-under and the defector, Dustin Johnson. Of the Live Golf Network is back at nine under. Have you got to watch any of it? A Little emotional today, Tiger
2: going over the bridge or what? Are you are you too young? Uh, I haven't watched any of the Open not yet, but I did he- I did hear about the news of Tiger not making the cut.
1: Yeah, t- Tiger didn't make the cut this weekend. He you know he, he crossed the crossed the bridge today. A little tear. Uh, it would have been a, a lot. More exciting if that was, you know, on a Sunday when Tigers in red and he's contending, but injuries and whatnot kind of affected him this week. Not able to make the cut. And in Tigers' words, though, he doesn't know if he's going to be, you know, healthy enough to play the Open Championship again when it's at St. Andrews. So this could be the last Open Championship that he plays at St. Andrews. So he was a little emotional going over that. Um, over the bridge on eighteen. I did love though this week when they asked Tiger about retire. He gave out you know like almost a belly laugh, a good chuckle. <laughs> retire, retire, me retire? I don't think so. He still has some fire in him. He still wants to compete. It just wasn't meant to be this week. You and I kind of critical yesterday, James, on the Houston Astros lineup the last couple nights. It got even worse. First batter of the game, Jose Altuve takes one off the off the knee. Yeah, stayed in the ball game. comes around to score a run. Astros take early 2-0 lead. Altuve had to come out of the ball game, so the lineup got even more dicey. Dubon comes into play at second base, but Astros were able to prevail last night thanks to Jeremy Pena. Walk-off hit, sorry, not a walk-off, but extending the lead in the 10th inning. I heard Mr. Foote a little upset this morning. You know, a little pitching gaffe, a loud... That game to go into extra innings, not throwing strikes, it happens. This pitching staff and this bullpen has been really good all season long, but, man, they've been kind of a struggle when you really need them in the last you know, week or so with the, with the lineup kind of huh, just so-so. Tonight they're going to go back to more friendly confines. They're going to be back at the juice box against the Oakland A's with Euclid on the bump tonight. I haven't seen if is going to give it a go yet. I don't think they put out the lineup yet. Have to check on that. But Astros looking to just build that lead even more in the AL West heading into the All-Star break. All-Star game. Do you get pretty excited for that, James? Watch the All-Star game, home run derby kind of thing? Are you pumped up? or You're kind of indifferent
2: on that. I'm not a huge fan of any of the All-Star games for any of the sports. It feels a lot watered down because most of the players aren't really trying because they don't want to hurt. Any of the any so, in each other? Well, you know, the MLB tried to do something a little different, right? Home field
1: advantage for the for the World Series is you know going to be decided in the All Star Game. I don't forget how many years back they did that. Try to make it matter, but it's still just a popularity contest, right? You got guys that being voted in that are miss half the, the first half of the season or injured, still being voted in. Um, it, it's kind of a you know just it feels just like a a giant popularity contest rather than deserving guys make, making. The squad. Um, Home run derby? Ah, Man, I don't know. I I could go either way on that. Some years I'm I'm tuned in and locked in. Other years, I don't know. Albert Pujols getting in the derby? Ah, Man, that that feels like a stretch, huh? Feels like a little bit of a, a, you know, just a a push. Get Albert back in our face. Kind of like him and Miguel Cabrera both making the all-star game. Both guys are legends. Both Hall of Famers. Um, I mean, maybe even first ballot Hall of Famers. But making the all-star team this year with their stats is, is kind of comical, kind of comical. But we have a, still have a great show on tap for you guys. I think uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun talking Houston Astros a little bit later at the 4.30 spot with Landry Locker. He's going to come on. We're going to ask him the hard questions, you know, when are we going to get Michael Brantley back? Are we going to get Yordan Alvarez after the break? Can this pitching staff hold up? What happens when Lance McCullers comes back? How do you shift up this staff then? So a lot of good questions to ask Landry at 430. And of course at 530, are you serious sports' Blake Rafino join us and talk all thing tiger? So stick right here. We're gonna take our first break, but we'll be right back on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And we right back in it on a Friday afternoon. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguel and Mesh. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in today as a guest host and having so much fun with you, Acadiana. Had a lot of fun yesterday. Phone lines blowing off the hook. So much talk about Sean Payton. No call so far today. We could change that. You can change that if you call us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. This is something I wanted to get into yesterday. We just didn't have the time. So we're going to move it to today. I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about LSU schedule, talk a little bit of Raging Cajun schedule. What are the biggest swing games? What is the most, the much-anticipated game on the schedule, as well as what's the the must-win? What game do each team has to win in order for their season to be successful? We're going to start out this segment with the LSU Tigers. Brian Kelly coming in. Look, this squad is a much, much different squad than when he took this team over. They hit the transfer portal hard. They brought in a very good recruiting class and a retooled coaching staff as well. So I don't know. The expectations have been kind of all over the map right now for LSU. I've seen the win totals all the way down to five to six, seen them all the way as high as nine to ten. I'm of the believer that I think LSU wins eight to nine games this year. I think that, you know, there's a lot of toss-up games on that schedule. There's a... Some brutal stretches in this schedule, but there's some winnable ballgames too that people think that, you know, LSU might not have as good of a chance in. Um, We're going to start out right now and talk about the must win ballgame of the year. And I want to get James's perspective on this as well. I'm going to say LSU's must win. And I know it's old cliche, right? It's the first, it's the next game on the schedule. But it's going to be that Florida State game for me. And and, and two reasons, okay? Look, Look at when. Les Miles brought his squad over to Lambeau Field to play Wisconsin. A lot of hype surrounding that LSU team, right? Lennon Farnett was on that team. They looked like they were going to retool the offense. B.S. They went in Lambeau and laid an egg. Couldn't move the football at all. Went ahead to lose that game to Wisconsin. Then what about last year? Okay, bounce back year for the Tigers. 2020 was a fluke. COVID, blah, blah, blah. Ed Ogeron took his Tigers to the bright lights of L.A. and laid an egg against UCLA. So, hey, what do we have for Brian Kelly's first game? How about Florida State? But in a much friendlier environment, right? In the Superdome right here in New Orleans, I guess a team that has been struggling, a program that's been struggling over the last decade. Winnable game? Very much so. Have to win that ball game, though most important game on the schedule, to get off on the right foot. James, I see you laughing back there. Is this is that too easy because it's the first game of the
2: season? No, I found it funny because that was going to be my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I want to well, go with that It could that be one. yours, too. It could it, be, I mean, it, it, I'm sure you have a lot of the same reasons I did as well. I mean, yeah, that because you always want to start off your new coach. If you're a new coach, you want to start off with your new team on a high note, you don't want to lose the first game and then already have fans coming at your neck being like, get rid of this guy. You know what I mean? Another game that I think, in my opinion, is a must-win is between Florida and Alabama. It's the old Miss game. Because Florida, it's going to be in Gainesville, so I don't think it's a must-win since it's on the road. And then November 5th, it's going to be in Tiger Stadium with with Alabama, but I, I can't consider that a must-win because this is going to be the first time for Brian Kelly with LSU. So that, I can't expect this to
1: be a must win. That Ole Miss game screams trap game, right? Just screams it at you when you look at the schedule. Like you mentioned, on the road in Gainesville. Then you come back home two weeks later to play, or three weeks later after the bye week against Alabama, but stuck right in between. Ole Miss makes it makes it tough, right? You want to peek ahead, you beat up after leaving the swamp.
2: I agree with you. That's a tough one right there. I th- I think that one I think that one's a big one because Ole Miss usually gives LSU fits. It's always a close game and it's always high scoring. So what what does Brian Kelly able to do against Ole Miss?
1: I, I you know by that by that time I think this you know the, the roster and the, the 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 depth chart will be kind of solidified a little bit. I, I'm gonna give you one um of a of a swing game. I think this game's gonna really swing how how LSU season's gonna go. And that's going to be the Tennessee game in Baton Rouge on October the eighth. I, I look LSU is going to be coming off of playing at Jarneric against Auburn the week before, and then Florida the week after. So another trap game scenario, right? Two big games, one sandwich right in between. It's going to be a much improved Tennessee team. They they seem to be probably going to be the clear cut number two in the East behind Georgia. It. it, I, it Coming into the season, you know, you can't really expect Napier to be quite there yet with the Gators. I think Tennessee's gonna be clear cut number two coming into the season, be a lot a lot better, much improved. I think that's the swing game for LSU. I think that's an opportunity for Brian Kelly, especially early in the season. If you win that game on the road against Auburn, coming through with a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement in Baton Rouge, you're able to pull that victory off against Tennessee. Hey, things are
2: rolling pretty well in your favor. I think that was that one's a good one, but one that i'm looking at as well is the game on september 17th against mississippi state i want i wonder how the tigers are able to respond i know they did well last year and some of the players are kind of used to the air raid offense at this point but i want to i i feel like this one's a swing game because last year even though lsu was able to come out on top it that one was a struggle to get through, and it could have gone either way until you saw a couple late touchdowns.
1: That was the, the sag back game i talk about. Uh, Coach O just sat everybody back in coverage, right? That Coach O was yeah, still there, you, right? You yeah, you
2: only rushed three, and you just
1: threw eight back into coverage. Yep, and that game was uh, pretty boring. I remember LSU, it, it went it was. It you you went thought down. that was
2: boring? I thought that was kind of interesting, because if I recall correctly, that was when I broke one – like broke a couple tackles and ran free and then there was I think Jare Jenkins who was like 30 yards behind oh yeah every defender oh yeah so and you saw a couple turnovers early on so it was like you saw exciting turn, plays. throughout the, turnovers the
1: game were, were big in that game so a couple questionable throws by, by Mississippi State into, into multiple coverage but I uh, gotta credit that coaching staff for having that game plan nobody was really doing that against Mississippi State at the time I I think uh, that that game right there this year, I think LSU's roster is just a lot better, but I, I could see how that's some a, 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 you know a, a game that you could say a swing game. I think A and M too. I know it's the the last game of the season is going to be over in in College Station at Kyle Field, but that's a game that you know that could be a game where LSU you know might have a couple losses on the year that could be the difference between going. On winning 10 games or winning nine games or winning eight or not. You know, that, that game could be a swing game as far as positioning for a bowl game. You know, where do you see, you, can you almost get into a New year six? Can you, you know, are you positioning yourself for a bigger bowl game?
2: That could be a big game as well for the Tigers going over to, to College Station. No doubt. It, it, it could be between you going, in my opinion, they would be 7-4 and four in that point. If you win that, then you're 8-4 and four, and then you go to the bowl game. And I think you end it on high. Now you end up getting your nine wins. This is going to be a, a exciting
1: team. This is a weird year for me for LSU. You know, it's no secret I'm a huge LSU fan. Everybody knows that. But I, where do I set the expectation for the Tigers? Like we mentioned, I've seen Vegas numbers all over the place. Where do where do you set that over under? Total
2: wins. Total wins. I think you put it at eight and a half. Or, or I say you would set it at seven and a half. I think the last couple of years it has to lower it a little bit, not to mention you're transitioning from one coach to another, so you can't expect too high of expectations. You can't expect the new coach and the team to light it up on fire. So I think 7.5 makes sense because you could see it going 8, but then you could also see if they do lose to Mississippi State early on, that, one kind of, that can kind of tell the tale of how the season is going to go as a whole because it's like, look, let's say you do beat Florida State and you are able to beat Southern. But then you lose Mississippi State; it, it kind of will throw things off a little bit, and you're like, oh, "This kind of feels like we may be a little bumpy throughout the season."
1: Very well could. But that four four game stretch of you know Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss coming into the bye week before Alabama is going to that's going to be the the tail. You know that's going to be that that month of football. That's brutal. That's physicality. SEC football at its best. That's when it's going to be.
2: You know that LSU's depth is going to be questioned at that point. No doubt, I, I completely agree. That was that's the other than Ava, Alabama, obviously. That's the big stretch that you look out through the seasons. Like, okay, if you can go three and one, that's a, that's a hell of a win. Splitting it two and two, still a win. As long as you can go at least five hundred, I think it's like you. You you expect this season to be overall a success.
1: I right, you go three and one in that stretch going into the Alabama game. And look, if you go three and one in that stretch, probably a good chance that that's your only loss on the season, right? That means you you probably took care of Florida State, probably took care of your swing game in Mississippi State, and you beat Southern and New Mexico in between. That's gonna set up a, man. Could you imagine the hype around that Alabama game? Unless you only going on into that thing with one loss. Yeah. I mean, College game days there. It's going to be a sellout crowd. Tailgating the atmosphere is going to be electric. Brian Kelly versus Nick Saban, year one. Man, that's going to be a good time over in over Baton Rouge. No doubt. Very much so. I mean, is Alabama the only game on the schedule that you look at it right now and say, oh, no, they can't win that one in your eyes? Probably that one. I, I feel like
2: – ah. Man, you buying I've, in on a And M? You you buying in there? I mean, if you're gonna have the number one recruiting class, I would have the expectations that you'd have a top five roster in college football in in year one with that class. Mm,
1: I don't know. I got I to see something from a And M, right? I've, I've heard this before. Yeah, start you, year top ten, finish eight and four. You know, I, I got to see something from the Aggies before I'm buying. I'm not. I'm not sure totally how to feel about it because. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of question marks. Who starts at quarterback for him? Who you know? There, there's a lot of question marks on
2: that team. A lot of depth along the line of scrimmage, though. And it's the same thing with Florida. I mean, now you got Billy Napier coming, going from UL to now Florida. How how is he going to be able to handle SEC football?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a Florida team that's probably a seven and five, eight and four team. Um, you know, they were supposed to be pretty good last year. They were supposed to be really good the year before. <laughs> When LSU went over there and beat him, talk about KeShawn Butte. Almost had a, you know, he had a coming out party that game in the Ole Miss game, the back half of that 2020 season. But I, I Florida's another team. I agree with you. Kind of question mark. Where 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 do you see him, especially year one with Napier? What do they do at the quarterback position? They they've had some struggles there. They've tried multiple different guys. I think you know Anthony Edwards is probably the guy, big time player, more of a runner probably. Be an interesting. Interesting season for Napier over there. I, you know, he, he's gonna buy him some time. He's he's getting his feet wet on the recruiting trail. If you, if you venture over to Florida message boards right now, they're not as kind to old Billy Napier on the recruiting trail for sure. Especially the way Miami's just mopping up in the state of Florida right now. This to be interesting. Well, I like the takes though, James. I, I think it's it's gonna be a fun season, regardless. A lot of unknown expectations, a lot of hype. I'm here for it. You know what I'm also here for? I'm here to bring on Landry Locker right after the break, where we're going to talk all things Houston Astros. So stick right here. Don't go anywhere. We got plenty more fun on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Five times! You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws. Bootay's got it wide open at the 10. Far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the Goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is packing his bags and headed to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Tune in Monday, July 18th, as both RP3 and and company, and Crunch Time with Miguel and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Borderlands Furniture. Not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting live, they'll be providing live updates every day on Footnotes and the Jordy Holberg Show. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. That's going to be a good time. SEC Media Days is always a circus, right? Always a, a ton of folks Getting together, jazzed up about football. I bet your radio row is just lit. RP three and and Matt. I, I don't know if Matt's done anything quite like that. I know Raymond's been there the last couple years. They're gonna have a great time representing the game over there. You guys will have all, all the action too. They'll bring it to you firsthand from SEC Media Days. Interesting selections for for Coach Brian Kelly in his first year sending over Lafayette's own Jack Besh as well as uh, Mike Jones over there to SEC Media Days with them. It, it'll be a, a good group and a good gauge on where LSU is heading into the season. Right now at 4.30, we're trying to get Larry Locker, my main man, James Mesh, behind the glasses, using my favorite word to, to use, and I only get to use it when I'm on the radio. He's efforting to get Landry Locker, the host of The Loop, from 10 to 2 p.m. on Sports Radio 610 out of Houston to join us right now to talk all things Houston Astros. Having a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get them on right now. What's not having technical difficulties, no matter what happens to the lineup, are the Houston Astros, though. and I know foot wants to be hard on this this pitching staff and this bullpen, but how about the ERA average as a squad? Under three, 2.98, first in the bigs. I mean that's pretty salty, but I mean when you're pumping out guys like all stars Justin Verlander and all star Framber Valdez, then you got guys like Christian Javier Garcia coming out and just giving you quality start after quality start. And honestly, Uquidity's kind of been the odd man out in that rotation. Um, I, you know, he he's hasn't been as consistent as as those two guys. I mean, Framber Valdez gave his 14th consecutive quality start last night in the Astros' victory. Know the bullpen, walked in some runs late. We know, Kevin, don't don't get too hostile on us before Jeremy Pena drove in that winning run. So they've been doing different things. No matter how you throw it at them, they're able to kind of get it going. And this is a team that really, when you looked at the beginning of the season, you thought, oh man, this lineup, they're going to hit for days. Jose Altuve, Yardin Alvarez, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker. Look, right now, as a team, they're only hitting 241. That's only good for 16 in the bigs. This is a team that could get better down the stretch. They're a team that's going to get Lance McCullers Jr. back after the All-Star break, after he had Tommy John surgery. Then what do you do? Do you roll out a six-man rotation? Do you put Christian Javier back in the bullpen? Christian Javier, mind you, gave you 16 straight no-hit innings. Earlier this year after pitching in that combined no hitter I mean he he's the kind of guy that though you could put in the bullpen and be a long reliever he's had some success doing that do you put Garcia kind of in that role it's uh you have some flexibility right now if you're the astros wait till they start hitting they're still not really hitting the ball all that well what they are doing though is they're they're driving in runs they're hitting clutch and they're able to uh regardless of the injuries they're able to drive in Runs night in and night out. They're they're right now they're without Yarden Alvarez, Michael Brantley. They're two best guys at the top of the lineup in batting average. Jordan's hitting 306 on the season. Michael Brantley's coming in at 288. But the, the guys, you know, they're not in the lineup the last ten days, and they're still seven and three in their last ten games. Yarden and Alvarez, 26 bombs on the year. Nowhere to be found right now. They're still finding ways to win. No matter what. You can say, oh, the AL West isn't that great baloney. Don't give me that. Mariners win 10 in a row. it look, the Rangers, they were playing a lot better baseball. Outside of the Angels, I, I think the division as a whole is a lot better than people expected. And what they did to those two New York teams a couple weeks back, taking seven out of nine against the first place in the AL East and first place in the NL East, Yankees and Mets. Are you kidding me? With half of those games happening in New York, wow! I, I I'm just amazed that this team has not really hit its stride yet as far as hitting. What they do though, they hit bombs. Those guys hit dukes. They're third in the league right now in home runs with 125. So while the batting average is a little down, they're still able to drive in runs as well as you know pitch so well. They're able to pitch phenomenal. Eighth in the league on on base. You know, I, I, during the break, we're having a conversation behind the glass. And we talked about Alex Bregman and how he's coming on in the last, you know, 10 to 14 days. Starting to play a lot better baseball. You know what he's doing? He's walking more, hitting the ball the opposite way. He's starting to be more comfortable in there. That's what he does for this team. He, he's a guy that, you know, he could turn it on in a moment's notice. He started the season hot as hell. Hitting bombs in the first three games. Then he kind of tinkered off a little bit, not hit for the best of average, but he's so patient at the plate. He's able to walk a lot, plays a great third base, able to do some good things for the Strohs. Eleven games out in front now, fifty-eight and thirty. James, fifty-eight and thirty. When they were playing a couple nights ago, Chaz McCormick hitting the two hole for this team. They're fifty-eight and thirty. They're up eleven games in the AL West right now.
2: Are you kind of with me that this this team hadn't even come close to hitting their stride yet? They really haven't, and that's what, even when you're in a slump, the great teams still find ways to win. And what have they done most of the time? Seven and three in the last ten, they're finding ways to win. So, even with all the injuries, because Jose, he's going to be day-to-day, but we don't expect him to play tonight. You still don't have Michael Brantley, and you're on Alvarez. The Brantley thing
1: makes me the most nervous, right? He went on the initially went on the DL the ten day mm-hmm. uh, over two weeks ago. A little shoulder, little shoulder, inf- you know, inflammation. They flew him back three days early from the West Coast swing to to Houston to to get it looked at and checked out because it still wasn't feeling quite right. Get a few extra days off with the All Star break, but the Brantley injury has me a little concerned, especially with the trade, you know, the trade deadline kind of looming and coming up. Are they going to make a move? A lot of speculation. Josh Bell. First baseman for the Washington Nationals is on the block right now. Are they going to make a move to get him with Yuli Gurriel struggling so much? Do you really move from Yuli though? Answer me this, James. You know, do, how do you feel about this? A, a, a guy like Yuli Gurriel led the league in batting last year. Took home the batting crown champ in the AL a year ago. Are are you the type of person that well, loyalty means squat? I want to win now. Give me Josh Bell, play day-to-day for me over at first base, and then Yulio just have to be a platoon guy and maybe DH some if Yardons injured or Brantley's, you know, because if Brantley's going to be out an extended period of time, the option's always still to put Yardon and left, right? Uh, especially in home games at the juice box, with the sharp porch of, of Crawford boxes, you know, right behind his his back in left field, not asking him to cover a ton of ground over there. I think he could play left field in, in Houston, it's, Makes me a little nervous going to some bigger parks. You got to cover some bigger areas, so that's a that's an option. So, are you the type of person that says, "All right, let's go out and grab Bell, bring him on. He's a slugger, hits bombs." Maybe Yuli, you know, huh, punt him down the bench a little bit, or you say, "Hey, that's my guy. That guy's been over here since 2016, playing first base. He came. He was with us the World Series. He won a batting championship a year ago." Are you you what's your what's your loyalty tie right there James
2: I mean I try to stay as loyal as possible the only but what does worry me is I know Yuli's only been playing since 2016 but the man just turned 38. okay that's a little old right yeah it's, we'll agree with that I, it's <laughs> older than me so we can could... <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll both agree it's okay. old. And, and even in baseball it's, it's even older so it, you do kind of worry about that if you are able to get Bell I mean, I would say go for it. If, if he's a good first baseman and he's, he's able to slug, I, I say you go for it. It's just what would be the asking price for Bell? That's, yeah. that's what it comes down to because the, what are you form, willing to give up for? The
1: farm system's already pretty depleted, right? The farm system's already not the best. They, they don't have one of the best farm systems. So if you're going to go and you know give up multiple guys in the farm system or give up, you know, I, you know, I don't know what you'd have to give up, uh, give up on the current roster, man. Maybe you move some, somebody like a Jose Siri. You know, who has a lot of potential, Mm -hmm. but can't really stay up, you know, consistently in the bigs. Maybe a Jake Myers is is movable for especially if Brantley comes back, you know, Jake Myers could be movable. I mean, is is Kyle Tucker somebody that you feel could play center? I don't know about that.
2: Because, because generally, where where does, where, I, I can't, I don't really memorize lineup, batting lineups, doesn't. Yuli's usually in the like six hole, Se- seven to six hole. They, I mean, the lineup's kind of been all over the
1: place, you know, over the last fourteen to fifteen days or so. Yeah, but, but on I mean, average, typically a six hole.
2: When, when this team is is playing at its peak, you want Yuli in the six hole. So usually, because if you can have a lineup of Altuve, Brantley when he gets back, you got Bregman at the three, right? Bregman. Bregman and Yordan kind of they, they interchangeable right there. Yeah, and then and then Yordan at the four, and then five would be Tucker. Kyle Tucker, and then if you get six to be uh, could right. be Bell, and then you have could you do another designated hitter, and well, then have and well, then, it
1: then have Uli? It, it kind of it, it depends on what you do in the outfield. If Brantley comes back, it, what you going to play Tucker in center? If you play Tucker in center, you are going to play Brantley and right and Yordan and left. That lineup might work. At home, and I don't even know if I really want Kyle Tucker patrolling center field at the juice box. You you know you could get away with Yardon playing left field every day at Minute Maid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could get away with that in bigger parks. Okay, I personally I, I don't know the big fella. I want my my big fella swatting bombs. I don't I don't really care if my big fella's you know running down fly balls that that doesn't you know that does nothing for me. My 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 big fella needs to be continue leading the league and slugging and. OPS Plus, you know, he, he's putting up a phenomenal, phenomenal advanced statistical year on the offensive side of the, of the, of the plate. Um, but I mean, you got guys like a uh, Dimless he, DS. He's a guy that's very flexible, plays a number of different positions for him. So you could do something there. A, a wild card, I'll give you another wild card for the Stros. We talked a lot about the, the bats, but you did get back Oda Rizzi. He's another guy that could figure. He didn't even make the postseason roster last year. Is he somebody that could go into the bullpen and give you some extended innings? Or is he somebody that, you know, makes it back into the rotation? There's a lot of different options this team has. I mean, I I don't know. It's going to be interesting when McCullers comes back. I think that'll tell a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) Well, we're going to take a quick break. Sorry we couldn't get Landry Locker for you, but we still got your Astros fix in. James and I did the best we could, giving you the knowledge that we had behind us. But don't go anywhere. We got plenty more to get to right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do... To win is join the brand-new text club. Simply text the game to 337-283-8100. 337-283-8100. That's game to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you will be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you will have a ton of chances to score other great prizes, like Astros tickets and more. It's the game's text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Welcome back in. That was exciting, right? Welcome back into crunch time. I want to win Apple Watch. Can I text? Can I text the text club, James? Unfortunately, not. Man, that would be cool to win an Apple Watch. My, That's mine's what, getting I've kind been, of old, you know. I was gonna
2: say I've been wanting an Apple Watch. <laughs> now, now I get the opportunity to get one for free, and I can't do it because i um, I am an employee. Oh man. Well, I got, I got news for you. You wanted to talk
1: about Altuve probably sitting out. I can now confirm Altuve out of the lineup tonight for the Astros. You can hear the Astros here tonight. First pitch, seven oh seven right here on 103.7 The Game. Dubon's going to get the start at second base and lead off that lineup. And Jake Myers, bat second patrol center field, talked about, you know, <laughs> Jazz McCormick playing Center and batting second. That doesn't get you too excited. I know James is rolling his eyes back there. Jake Myers in the two-hole. Kyle Tucker will DH tonight and bat third. Alex Bregman, fourth spot, third base. Pena, game winner last night's hero. Shortstop batting fifth. Chaz McCormick batting in the sixth spot, which is a much more respectable hole than the two-hole, Jay. J.J. Macevic will be at first base tonight and batting seventh. Jose Siri in right field, batting eighth, and Corey Lee, the machete, getting the night off tonight. No more team Aldonado. Astros' number one prospect Corey Lee getting the nod at catcher and batting ninth. See, that's that's the one thing you got to like. You don't want to ship a guy like Corey Lee, your number one prospect. Pedro Leon, probably your number two prospect. You don't want to move guys like that. You're going to need guys like that in the bigs in a couple years. Another window. It's, it's kind of shrinking to some people, but I would like to kind of keep that open a little longer by keeping some of these prospects within the Astros organization. It's been a fun first hour. We got no show. We got stood up. Ain't no shame in that. Got stood up by our first guest. It's okay. I'm sure he had a great excuse for us down in H-Town, but we were able to take care of the Astros fix in the second hour, we still got a ton of fun to get to. We're going to reset the poll question as well as have Blake Ruffino from Are You Serious Sports join us to talk all things Tigers. So still a lot of fun to get to right here. So don't, don't move. Keep the dial right here on 103.7 The Game and stick with us through the break. We'll have a lot of fun on the other side. Right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back into Crunch Time with Migaz and Mesh. I'm Blaine Vientar filling in guest host right here. Hour number two. We had a ton of fun in hour number one. No show on the guest side, but we had All the fun, just James and I. But what we want to do, we want to invite you to the party, Acadiana. Go ahead and call us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111, and we could talk about whatever your heart desires. Talked a lot in the first hour about LSU's football schedule. We broke it down, our biggest swing games, must-wins, and how we feel the season's going to go for the Tigers. We also did a lot of Astros talk. We talked about where we thought the Astros were headed, how they look so far, and what can we expect in the second half of the season. We also looked at our poll question of the day that you could find at the game game underscore Louisiana on the Twitter machine. We want to know, with just 11 days left until training camp on our countdown, is there an odd man out in the defensive secondary for the Saints? A lot of different signings this offseason for the Saints, bringing in some free agent players drafted a couple guys where do you guys see the shakeup happening who's the gonna be the odd man out who's not gonna be on the the roster when it shrinks down time and time again during camp and when we make the final cuts when we head into the regular season we want to hear from you to let us know what that secondary is going to look like I'd also like to talk with you guys about where do you think guys are going to play in that secondary? We talked a lot in the first hour about the flexibility of this defensive backfield for the saints. There's a lot of guys that can play number of different positions. How do you think the shakeout will happen for the saints? And then at 5:30, Blake Grafino of are you serious sports is going to join us. And we're going to talk a lot about the Tigers recent run on the recruiting trail. Brian Kelly has been on a tear. He has, what, is it 14 commits in 12 days? Am I doing the math right? 14 commits in 12 days, something around there. Number seven class in the land. He is on a roll right now. Absolute roll. We're going to talk to Blake about that, how he feels about it, how the rest of the class is going to shake out, and how the Tigers look going into camp. We're also going to talk about the MLB draft that starts on Sunday. A Sunday start time of the draft. I know they want to have it kind of coincide with the all-star game. Home run derby on Monday, the game on Tuesday. They kind of want that to all flow together. Maybe doing the you know picks in between the hitters at the home run derby might be cool for the first 10 picks or something. But on a Sunday? The draft starts on a Sunday? Are you kidding me? I don't know. They didn't give me a lot of jacked up, you know. I, I don't watch a whole ton of the MLB draft, to be honest. I could guarantee you on Sunday I probably won't be watching. I'll be looking to see where Jacob Berry's going to go. Experts have him anywhere from about 6 to 10. I see a lot of people saying he'll go to the Twins, I think at 8 or 7, somewhere around there. That's kind of where the the consensus is. K. Doty should be a top 50, 60 player drafted in the draft as well. We'll have to see how the recruiting class shakes out from the draft too. Blake Rafino of RU Serious Sports will be able to tell us all about that at 5.30. We're also going to break down the UL Raging Cajun schedule since we did the Tigers in the first hour what are the biggest swing games? What are the must-wins for first-year coach for the Raging Cajuns? We're going to do a deeper dive on that. So anything that you guys want to call up and talk about with us, feel free to do so on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. James, for the folks that weren't listening in in the first hour, I'd like to, to kind of shake back a little bit on this countdown to training camp for the Saints, only 11 days to go Is there an odd man out in the defensive secondary for the Saints? And you brought up a good point. You kind of feel that, ah, man, Daniel Sorensen probably going to be the odd man out. Not the best in coverage. They have him slotted right here as a strong safety, maybe playing more in the box, which wouldn't be as good for the Saints. They like to kind of flow their safeties, kind of make them interchangeable. So if you got somebody that's not as good in coverage, you mentioned this time back with the Chiefs over the last couple years. I, I kind of lean your way thinking that. Do you think it's a, a no-brainer or you think special teams might bail him out for him to make this roster? Special teams would
2: have to bail him out because seeing his coverage skills in Kansas City, you all you have to do is just look at Tyron Matthews' reactions. It It's not good. Him and Justin Evans, they were both the two safeties that were signed by New Orleans or the couple of the first three or four to fill out the safety room since you lost so many. P.J. was a free agent once again. You had Malcolm Jenkins retire. Marcus Williams kind of moved on early and went to Baltimore. So you lost a lot of your safety room. And they initially filled it with Daniel Sorensen and Justin Evans, and I felt like that was like, hey, we just need to get safeties. We have an idea of who we think we could get, but let's get some insurance policies just in case we aren't able to get those guys. That's why I think Evans – and Sorensen were, but now that you were able to get players, you were able to re-sign PJ Williams. You were able to sign Honey Badger. You were able to sign Marcus May. I think now that you have your go-to guys Very your
1: starters, ex- he's expendable now. You get- It's like, hey, we yeah. don't
2: really need you anymore. We'll keep you as camp bodies. We'll let you play and like kind of show off what you can do for other teams. Yeah, somebody will sign him. Yeah, yeah, I, play I think this year. I believe I believe Justin Evans will be a a good a good player for somebody else on somebody else's roster. Maybe somebody like he may go to the Bears. I could see him playing for the Bears, and and that would give Smoke Monday an opportunity
1: too, right? To to get more playing time to kind of develop. He'll be on the floor, uh, the field a lot more if you're, you're able to, you know, create some room. Like getting rid of those two guys as you just mentioned.
2: Yeah, and and Smoke was also a box safety himself, so we may see him try and make a few plays. We may he he may get a sack or two in these preseason games and try and make an impact as a as a free blitzer. But I, I think ultimately, when it comes to smoke, and some of the other undrafted free agents, I think they'll ultimately become practice squad players.
1: Wide receiver rooms awfully crowded too. I oh, it's, it's very crowded. That's going to be a, a room that's going to see a lot of movement uh, throughout camp. I think you know they're they're going to be uh, adjusting on the fly there, moving guys around. Uh, you guys will get cut pretty early, I think, at that position. There's there's a lot of bodies in that wide receiver room.
2: I think I think something with like Dejon Dixon. And Rashid Shaheed, I think both of them, they'll be practice squad players, and they'll be kind of stashed away, and they'll be kind of more of like Lil' Jordan Humphreys. You could bring them back, you know, because he- it's like let's say let's say Mike isn't fully healthy or Juice goes down, and it's like okay, well we need to bring somebody up. All right, well we'll bring in Dajon. It's kind of the same thing with uh, Jawan Johnson before you. Moved him to tight end and kind of saw what he could do there as the number three tight end.
1: What about Marquez Callaway as well as Trae Smith? Both of those guys are going to be on the Saints' final roster cuts.
2: I think what you do is you get you keep six, you keep Mike, you keep Olave, you keep Juice, you keep Callaway and Hardy, and then you have Trae as your sixth guy. That way you don't cut him, and you keep him until you. Like you don't even have him as your if you can try and find a trade partner to be like hey I know you need another wide receiver I'm not asking for a lot let me get a 6th rounder and you can have a wide receiver who's put up decent enough numbers and he can we've had him as our number 2 or number 3 option for the last few years I think him being like that you could could get 600 yards out of him a few touchdowns I think that would be worth a 6th rounder especially since your wide receiver room isn't all that good Right, you I, like trading him to someone like the Bears, or I'm with you. I I, I get where you I, I pick up what you're putting down there because you, you you initially keep him on the roster that way you can trade him get something out of it that way because he, you sign him to a one year deal worth like two million dollars so it's not like you the other team would be taking on a huge burden. Now, I I agree
1: with you. I, what I do see though is a lot of chain movers. On, on this in this wide receiver room. Oh yeah. Who's gonna be the guy to, to take the top off?
2: Top off guy has gotta be Chris Olave. Fat, him and Deontay Hardy are the two fastest in the room, but Hardy he's he's better used as a returner both on kick return and punts. So you're number two, especially since you invested when it came down to it after all the trades, you invested five picks into Chris Olave. So, you would He's a he's a stud though. He is a stud. He is he I think when it comes down he, to it, he I believe he'll be he'll be worth the five picks. I know it sounds really hefty. He's a complete
1: wide receiver though, right? Yeah. He he can, he can run do a the short bit of everything.
2: He can run the short, the intermediate. He's Over fast on the, you know, he, he yeah. can run down the middle. He's got good hands, catches the out routes. I mean, he can do pretty much whatever. I think the only thing that you really need to work on is potentially run blocking, I don't even think that's an issue. So getting Chris Olave and just getting him used to the NFL, that's all you got to do. And as he just gets more used to it, he'll become a better receiver because he's hes always been a hard worker. He's hes always been really good at his craft. So I don't think Chris Olave will be any sort of burden when it comes down to it. And I think he'll be the main go-to guy going deep. I, I he'll be like did, the Devry of the Robert Meacham.
1: You know, they, they gave a lot up for him, don't get me wrong, but I think he's a player. I think the Saints fans will love him just fine. And if you guys want to play GM with us, feel free to call in on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 as we look at this Saints roster. Look, we started out with the defensive backs. We moved over to the wide receiver room. There's a lot of different places you and I have been. We did the offensive line a little bit yesterday. Having a lot of fun right here. James Mesh and I on 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's, It's been a good time looking at this this depth chart, to be honest with you, James, because you, you forget, right? There were so many moves in this offseason. You look at this depth chart and you say, oh, man, I forget to even pick this guy up. You know, it's 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 been a lot of movement for the Saints here. As far as tied in, though, you mentioned tied in a little bit. That kind of fits into the, the wide receiver room as well. Adam troutman has got to be the, the clear-cut number one guy, you know, as far as a
2: traditional tied end. Tra- yeah, tradition-wise, unless you trade for somebody and that no one expects, uh, you got to believe that Adam Trotman would be the number one. And then you have Taysom Hill as your joker where you yeah, can line him up and tight that's end. That's the only two they're going to keep on the roster, though, right? Tight ends-wise? Yeah. I, what I would do, I don't know if this is exactly what the Saints will do, but the way I would do it is I would move Ian Book to the practice squad. You only keep two quarterbacks, Jameis and Andy Dalton and then you keep four tight ends, with one of them being Taysom Hill. Since he's a versatile piece, you could throw him out in the slot at wide receiver, or you could line him up at a running back, or if you still want to do some Taysom Hill QB, QB up the middle runs, I mean, he can do all that. So I concern him as a joker role, since he also has experience in quarterback. In my opinion, you, you don't really need to keep four players that have experience at QB. Keep an extra tight end instead. Keep an extra tight end. Keep an extra playmaker that can catch the ball. Because he's not going to be focused on quarterback. But if it's like if it comes down to it, we'll keep you as the emergency three, and in the next week, Andy Dalton will be the starter. You move Ian Book to the two, and then you still keep Taysom Hill as the three. That way, you still have a versatile piece. Because who after you're seeing Ian Book that one game against Miami on Monday Night Football. Do you really think anybody's going to be like, yeah? Let, let, I want him as my backup. You know what I mean? No SAG defense on, on,
1: on the night he plays, right? We're not going to go with the LSU versus Mississippi State SAG defense. We're, we're going to bring the pressure. Oh, we're you, sending yeah, seven every time. You,
2: you can't <laughs> <laughs> send seven every time, Adam.
1: I totally agree with with that with that statement. So uh, a lot of moving moving pieces there with the Saints roster, and well, you know, training camp again it's is coming up quick. You know, we, we got just 11 days until the Saints open camp. So we, these questions will be answered in short order for us for sure. So if you want to jump in and help us play GM, I, I don't know if we need Mickey Loomis anymore when we have James Mesh right here at 1037 The Game. But you could join in on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and get in on the action. I think we actually have somebody that wants to get in and play. Ralph, how goes it on this wonderful Friday afternoon?
4: Hey man, uh, yeah. So as far as tight ends go, um, I agree with you know Troutman obviously uh, Taysom Hill, um, but you got to keep Jawan Johnson too because I mean he he has the, all the potential. I mean he's not a true tight end per se. Uh, he's not going to help you in the blocking game a whole lot, but he can catch the ball. And he and Jameis before Jameis got hurt did have a little you know something something going there. So. I would definitely keep him and I'm gonna tell you who who don't sleep on Lucas Krull, the um the, the free agent, um well undrafted free agent they signed. Uh all indications are in the in the mini camps that he was just outstanding and he is more of an all around more traditional tight end, right? It's six
1: six two sixty. It looks like he could be a little bit in line more than than, uh, somebody like a Jawan Johnson. I agree with that. Jawan Johnson also creates mismatches. You know, he's a bigger guy, but he could also, like you said, flex out and give you some different um, flexibility on on the perimeter. So I I could see him doing that as well, you know, especially if you're only going to carry two quarterbacks to keep somebody like Jawan Washington would just really be an extension of that wide receiver room.
4: Right. And uh, as far as wide receivers go, uh, and again, look, it's a long shot for this guy to – They end up being the sixth guy, but uh, you were talking about taking the top off. And if there's another guy on this roster that can do that, it's Kirk Merritt. And and if this guy hadn't gotten in, you know, all things I read about him was that if he hadn't gotten in the trouble that he got in, what he did um, uh, in college, he would have probably – been around a you know a third-round draft pick. Oh, he was uh, a stud.
1: He was uh, out of Destrehan High School, five-star athlete. He went over to the Spark Camp over in Oregon. His senior year was the highest-rated Spark athlete his senior year over the Spark Camp where all the recruits go and do all the, the testing done. He, he ended up signing with Oregon um, out of high school before transferring to Texas A&M and then went over to, I, I believe, Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. And had a, he had a year that he made all Sun Belt. Um, but you mentioned, he got into a little bit of trouble, made him fall down a little bit. So a uh, good athlete for sure, especially in space, six foot, about 210 could definitely make plays.
4: Yeah. And I think he was a hundred and two hundred 200 meter champion. So he's got the speed now indications are he's not a great route runner, but um, again, I'm just going by what I've read with a lot of the Saints beat reporters uh, coming out of, uh, out of the mini camps. And he was another guy who uh, really impressed. So, There'll be some good battles, you know. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's always it's always good when you when you're talking about who's going to be your fourth or fifth or sixth guy, <laughs> and not who's going to be number one, like we did last year with wide receiver. You know, it sure so, feels uh, like the
1: roster's a lot deeper than it was a year ago. I totally agree with that.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Ralph, I so appreciate thanks, the call, man. I hope weekend. you have
1: a great weekend.
4: Okay,
1: you too. Thank you. I love Ralph. Man, Ralph always calls in, is consistent, brings you always consistent news. A lot of fun with Ralph. And I I agree with him. If you're having conversations on who's going to be fifth or sixth down the line, not, hey, you know, Michael Thomas is always banged up, who's going to be number one. I don't think you have that anymore. You know, you got a bunch of guys that can make plays, and now you're talking about maybe cutting people that could possibly make other teams' rosters. So I think this depth chart is very deep, considered to where it was just a year ago. And, and Kurt Merritt's a great choice. Um, he, he's a guy who kind of just hadn't been able to find his footing yet in the league, went over to Miami to start out that COVID year before signing with the Saints this year as a, as a free agent. So... It's it's unfortunate the young man out of Destrehan just couldn't quite make it just yet. I believe we have one more caller. uh, James, is that right? No, no caller right now. We're gonna head to a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna take more of your calls and we're gonna break down the US the UL schedule. So don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 15th, 1972, Lee Trevino beats Jack Nicklaus by one stroke to become the first Open Championship winner to successfully defend his title in a decade. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The game, I'm Blaine Vietar. Filling in right now for our main man, Matt Miguez, who's taking a much-deserved vacation. Don't fear. Me and James Mesh have been driving this ship just fine. We've been having a lot of fun this last segment, talking about Saints. Got a few more calls coming in. You guys like to talk about the Saints and the roster situation, so I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to head out to the game hotline and bring on Ellis. Ellis, how are you this Friday yes, afternoon? I,
3: um, When Ian Brook was in last year, I really felt sorry for him because I thought it was the back in the days of Archie Manning, no blocking whatsoever. I think he got sacked seven times or something like that.
1: I believe you are correct.
3: Because, I mean, no block. But like Archie, I think Archie was a little more mobile than Book is. And that's how he got out of everything. But, uh, you know, his first year, I I think the Saints, uh, like you said, put him on uh, the taxi squad or whatever it's called now.
1: Yeah, he he might have a chance later down the road. I I just don't know if his skill set's... Much needed for this team, especially with you know a healthy Jameis Winston and then a veteran like Andy Dalton backing him up. And you like James mentioned, you know the 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 Joker or the wild card of the situation, Taysom Hill could spell some some you know packages or whatnot.
3: Well, I, I just don't think he'll make the the roster. You know, just like the other guy, that Taysom Hill will be number three. I think I think you're right. All righty, sir. Thank you. All
1: right, I appreciate it, Ellis. And the main man behind the glass, James Mesh, comes in clutch with, it was actually eight times. Wow, eight times being sacked on that Monday night game against Miami. So appreciate James on the scoop on that end. We'll go quickly, James. I know we talked about getting into this UL schedule real quick. I don't want to leave the Cajuns out. Biggest must-win game on the schedule and biggest wild card game for you that, you know, could swing game, that that could really swing the momentum in the Cajuns' favor. I'm going to say the must win for me is going to be early in the season to kind of set the tone is going to be South Al at home.
2: I like that game as well. Now, now it's it's not too early in the season. It's not the September one against Southeastern. It won't be the first game. Of the season, but I think South Alabama. Yeah, that's a good opponent. It's going to be at Cajun Field. You feel like that one's a must-win because you're going to be up in Monroe to play ULM, which surprisingly, that's really early in the season. Yeah, usually. usually that's at the end. Yeah, usually that's your final home game.
1: A lot of changes, though. A lot of new teams in the Sun Belt. So. Yeah,
2: a <laughs> lot, a lot of change in the Sun Belt in the in the Southland Conference for McNeese lately. Very much
1: so. And if you want to talk about a swing game, that could really change the season. For the, this team, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a game right
2: after that. Marshall, Marshall okay. on the
1: road, new to the Sun Belt. They're gonna travel over to Huntington, West Virginia. A little bit of a hike. That's gonna be the game for me. That's gonna be a a swing game that could really change
2: the the, the season for them. I feel like Marshall's game, that one will. I feel good about that one. I'm not gonna say it's a guaranteed win, but I, I do know that one was the first game where Coach Mike Desimo coached since it was in the it was in the New Orleans Bowl, and they played Marshall. So I feel like that one was your first game. That's how you got your first skins as a head coach. Feel like you got to feel a little bit I better about playing they, them they're the second probably goal
1: going to be favored in that game, but on the road, I think it's just a tougher matchup. In and it, form.
2: and it's going to be on ESPN too. So it's yes, going to be nat- national TV. Yeah. A lot of a lot of a lot of games will be on ESPN because the you're going to be on ESPN Plus for Southeastern as well for Rice, as Rice too, and for Rice ESPN two for Marshall, and then you'll have two ESPN U games where you'll be in Hattiesburg for Southern Miss, but then you'll also be at home for Cajun Field on ESPN U against Georgia Southern against the Eagles, so a lot of a lot of good coverage. Where you're, where a lot of the nation is going to see you. So and this, I, I'm sure by the
1: time that Florida State game rolls around on November 19th, that game's going to be on TV somewhere.
2: Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, the game's got to be, be on somewhere. TV somewhere. Because the fact that we don't have one yet, I think they're kind of trying to see like how both teams will like pan out, and we'll, we'll, I think we'll figure out probably around the early November.
1: And, yeah, I agree. Cajun fans are going to travel well too to Rice and Southern Miss. I bet you. Houston and Hattiesburg are going to be filled with Vermilion and White. I think Cajuns will travel just fine to those two locations and give them almost kind of like a second home, home field atmosphere a little bit. So only 50 days until kickoff as we approach college football season. SEC media days just a few days away, and we'll ship out RP3 and Matt Miguez over there, so make sure we get your coverage for that. So, football season creeping up on us. Only 11 days till the Saints open up camp. Boy, it's some exciting times. I've been getting texts recently, too. Hey, when is the draft? Talking about fantasy. So, I love this time of year. Like we said yesterday, so much, so much excitement. A lot of excitement. You know what else is exciting? The Astros giveaway. The Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle, the Mariners, on Saturday, July 30th, and you could be right there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com to score four tickets. That's right. Bring the whole squad. All your homies can go with you to watch this one. Get a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. So maybe you get a little, you know, a few cold beverages at the ball game. Maybe you're a little too tired to drive back. No sweat. The game got you hooked up. We'll get you hotel accommodations for that Saturday night as well. The Astros getaways are powered by Butcher AC. LeMet in Houston, downtown. And the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So head on over to the website right now. Get your information in there so you could get an opportunity to bring you, your friends, or the whole family. Four tickets, James. Are you kidding me? Four tickets. Why don't you go ahead and register? You and I could go. We could bring a couple other friends. We'll have a good time. Oh, yeah. With no our doubt. Apple Watch.
2: <laughs> yeah, with our Apple Watch. Yeah, you one.
1: see? Yeah. A lot of fun there. Well, you know what's going to be a lot of fun next segment when Blake Ruffino of RU Serious Sports joins us. So don't go anywhere. Stay right here. Plenty of fun still to be had on this Friday afternoon. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana
0: sports station. Great news, my sports loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. A game you. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is. Now back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in right now for Matt Miguez, who's on a much, much deserved vacation. Been having a ton of fun with you at these last couple days, and we're going to keep the fun going as we head over to the game hotline to bring on our next guest. It's Blake Rafino of Are You Serious Sports. Blake, happy Friday. How goes it?
5: Going good, man. How are you? What's going on, Blaine?
1: Can't complain, man. Always great catching up with you. How about the run that this LSU Tigers coaching staff is on over the last two weeks on the recruiting trail? I haven't seen anything like this in quite some time.
5: Yeah, they're on quite a heater. You know, I mean, it's crazy what a good coach like Brian Kelly can do once he gets to a program like LSU, you know, that doesn't have any type of, you know, academic restrictions. And look, Blaine, they're not done yet. Right, I mean, they're going to continue to get some recruits in July, maybe even to, or into early August before the season starts. And, you know, I fully expect them to um, be, you know, have 20 commits in this class before, uh, before the first game in September.
1: Yesterday they were able to pull the big fellow. Paul Mabinga pulls the trigger and commits to Brian Kelly and company, 6'4", 280 out of Buford, Georgia, uh, you, you look at his rating and it doesn't match the offer sheet. What can you tell us about the big fella?
5: Uh, I mean, Blaine. In today's game, I'm not, you know, with recruiting the way that it is, I'm not necessarily worried about his recruiting sheet. You know, I mean, I, I mean, if I, and if there's one position that Brian Kelly can can really look at well, it's the offensive line. So. I'm really not worried about him. I think the kid can play. He's got really good feet, uh, really good hand placement. He doesn't come in overweight. You know, he's 280 pounds. Uh, so if he's recruiting him, then that means that the kid can play.
1: The, the, the young man's offer sheet tells me that he is just an absolute stud. I, I watched this film. You hit the nail on the head. Great feet. A tremendous athlete. Very light on his feet. I think he's going to be a player for the Tigers. I, I think there's a, a number of guys that are very close to committing to LSU to keep this kind of trend going in the right direction. Over the next couple weeks, it, it feels like there's going to be a couple more, like you mentioned. In your opinion, maybe who's the next couple names we need to watch for down the line?
5: Yeah, we mentioned this on the, you know, we launched our forum, our message board this week, and we I wrote a pretty long article about it um, that you guys can go and check it out. It's AYSSnetwork.com. Um, but really, I, I think, you know, you 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 wonder if Brad Davis, the offensive line coach, is going to get this thing moving, if he's going to get things moving in reference to guys like Zalance Hurd, Tyree Adams has, has said that he want the uh, the offensive tackle from – St. Aug in New Orleans said that he wants to get this done before his senior year starts. So, you know, I, I do wonder um, if you're able to get those two. What does uh, Chase DeSantis out in New Jersey do? Um, so I, I'm going to watch the offensive line. I think Kai Preen out of St. James, the former Ascension Catholic running back, um, I think his his commitment is imminent. Um so I think that they got four or five guys that uh, that they know for sure that they can get, and they have some guys um, that they don't. You know, that they're going to have to wait to com- on the commitment, like guys like Shelton Sampson Jr. out of Catholic and others. Uh, but Blaine, if they can, you know, if they can get four or five or six of the guys that they're targeting right now, you you're looking at a top five class, um, which you can't you can't you know turn your head at for sure.
1: Very good, Blake. I, I, I think you hit something I wanted to touch on a little bit. Blake Rafino of Are You Serious Sports is with us right now on, on the Game Hotline. You just launched your message board. Tell us a little bit more about that. What fans could expect. I know everybody loves watching you on on you know various different platforms each and every night, but now they could get a little bit more deeper intel from you. Why don't you tell fans where they could go and what you have to offer?
5: Yeah, Blaine. It's just like what you said. You know, go to AYSSnetwork.com dot com slash forum. You can sign up. Um, we're not breaking the bank here. It's just a you know seven is a significant number for LSU. So I um, so it's just seven dollars a month, basically at least once or twice a day. I'm just telling fans what um, I'm hearing around the program. Uh, talking to guys along the staff and not just football. You know, I, I dropped a pretty big baseball nugget uh, with a draft impeding on us here. Um, what I think, you know, a guy like Gavin Guidry is very interesting out of Barb High School. You know, does the does major league teams, are they able to, or is he, are they going to match the number of money that he's looking for? Uh, so just a lot of tidbits, man, a, a lot of things. And there's been kind of, it's, you know, kind of a humbling experience. There's been a lot of, um, a lot of fans, a lot of people that have subscribed early. You know, um, since we launched Monday, so. Uh, it's been really fun, been very interactive, and, and a lot of good discussion and, and sports discussions.
1: Very good, right there, Blake Rafino launching that message board! I know fans are excited about that. Blake, you mentioned Shelton Sampson right before we talked about the message board, and that was like the hot topic come Sunday. And you know, the hashtag Sampson stays, uh, Shelton stays was just floating around everywhere on social media, and then it the buzz kind of died down. Was, was LSU? um, pressing there to try to get him to come on publicly or what was exactly going on there?
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, when you're on a heater and, and, and you got the entire team tweeting at him and, um, you have recruits tweeting at him. Um, so I I mean, look, I I don't, um, you know, I, I do wonder, um, how long that's gonna go. I, I think he's a quiet kid that wants to take it to um you know maybe take it to the early signing day. So you can't really you can't really fault him. I mean let him go through the experience. Um but I still think LSU sits in a good position for him.
1: Hey when you're playing with a house money you gotta see what shakes loose sometimes. Turning our attention now, we just talked about the baseball draft coming up starting on Sunday this year. And LSU has a couple guys that, you know, from the current roster that expect it to go pretty high, and Jacob Barry and K Doty. Where, where do you think K Doty ultimately falls? I know it's a no brainer for Barry to be picked in the top, you know, eight to fifteen picks somewhere around there. But but a guy like Doty, he's gonna go pretty high as well.
5: I can expect him to go in the second rounds. Um I don't think he blamed that he makes it into the first round. Um, I, I mean, even though he could, I mean, I think if he would have had a better showing defensively, um, that he would have, you know, that maybe he could have eased into the, the very late of the first round, but you can't play that bad defensively this year and, and, and be a first round guy when guys are hitting just as good as you are um, and your defense is really suspect. So, Look, I mean, he's still a very good player. I think he'll clean it up. I, I You know, I think second base is the position for him, and he's just going to have to clean a lot of that stuff up. Maybe he can make the, the move over to third or, or left field. Um, we, we'll see. But I, I think he, he'll go in the second round. But, you know, we talked to Jay Johnson this week in an exclusive interview, and I don't think that he's expecting Kate Doty back. I, I mean, he, he he's pretty locked in that, Kate's going to get uh, drafted in the second round.
1: No doubt. I don't think you see either one of those men back in purple and gold next year. But guys that we can look for, you you mentioned a couple names like kid from Barb that are kind of teetering, and he has a number that he wants to get. Who are some other you know guys that are going to be coming in in this recruiting class that that could go very early and not come to LSU, and who's some guys that are you know basically just taking their name out of it, and we could expect to see them on campus in Baton Rouge.
5: Well, that's an interesting part, Blaine, because you don't really know, right? I mean, other than Carl Crawford's son, his first name uh, slips my mind, he's really the only one who's a top 15 prospect who got in the top um, um, 15 picks. Um, We'll see. I mean, there's some others. um, But look, this draft is really loaded. I mean, in a a blink of an eye, Jacob Berry fell from the uh, uh, number one overall pick so a fifth pick to, uh, you know, a seven or eight overall pick. And that's not because of him. I mean, the thumb is, or the finger's not the reason he fell. I mean, he hit 400 in SEC play, right? So um, we'll see. I, I think that Jay's expecting five guys to not make it on campus in the signing class. The only one that I'm watching out for the most is Gavin Guidry. You know, I know that you got Carter Young. From Vanderbilt, they can play shortstop, but I think him and Gavin Gidry uh, split time at short next season. He he is the he's an Alex Bregman type of player.
1: Blake Rafino of Are You Serious Sports joining us right now on the Game Hotline. Turn our attention back to football with camp about to get kicked off and SEC Media Days just a few days away. Uh, what's that one position battle that you really intrigued in going into camp?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's got to be quarterback, right? I mean, it's it's going to be the ultimate position um, that that fuels your team. I think you know pretty much or have a pretty good idea of what the starting lineup's going to look like other than a few maybe positions here and there. You know your D-line. You know at least one of your linebackers. You pretty much somewhat know your secondary. It all comes down to who's going to play quarterback. You know, I, I mean, before I came on, Blaine, Uh, talking with a uh, coach i mean look Jaden daniels is a guy that you you know that came in i know a lot there's a lot of buzz around us and i think it comes down to him and Jaden. but uh man we'll see i mean because you you still got miles brennan there's got a lot of experience uh, around the program um man I, i and then you got the talented kid in walker howard you know a lot of people keep saying, Blaine, that Walker Howard's going to rest Well, somebody better tell him that because he doesn't want to, right? Uh, he wants to play. Um, so, look, we'll see. I, I really uh, – I don't know who's going to start there, but I think, you know, Blaine, you're, you're in a situation where you can go from, from that position alone to be a 7-5 and team to a 9-3, and 10-2 team, depending on how well that quarterback position plays. So um, – it's a big deal i'm going to continue to focus on it i still think at the current moment no matter who the quarterback is Jane Daniels going to see packages in the running game you don't you can't run that fast and be tracked to run 22 miles an hour and you're not going to see the field i mean blade you, you it's not going to happen so we'll, we'll see um he's got to work on some things some intermediate passing um but i mean look again when you're open when you're running that fast out in the open field and nobody can catch you. Uh, a lot of people fall in love with that. And, and Mike Denbrock really loves that style of his game, too.
1: Wrapping up right now with Blake Rafino of Are You Serious Sports. Every year coming into fall camp, there's just a guy that takes the, the world by storm. Somebody we're not talking about right now that comes in and just lights it up. Who's going to be that guy in 2022?
5: I, I think Harold Perkins. Um, but we, we are talking about him in a sense. Is that, It's that, is somebody I want to see if he can crack the starting lineup. Um. Greg Brooks had an amazing spring, uh, I, the DB from Arkansas. I wonder uh, if Greg Brooks can continue to do what he's doing. You know, a lot of people aren't talking about Joe Fouché. Uh, Blaine, you know, we were in Twitter space the other night, and we were talking about Arkansas versus Bama a season ago, and Joe Fouché was all over the field. Uh, tra- tracking down Jameson Williams, uh, 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 shutting down Metchie a couple of times, uh, uh, tracking down Bryce Young for a sack or tackle for loss, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I I really do think that Joe Fouche is the guy defensively, but i got to go with my guy, Mike Jones Jr. Uh, He's been the team leader this whole offseason. The guys rally around him. Um, He's a great young man to talk to. We have him on the show every week, and I I think that he's prepped and ready uh, uh, for this season. I'm really excited to watch what he can do.
1: Appreciate the time, Blake. Always good time talking to you.
5: You too, Blaine. Have a good weekend, buddy. You
1: too, bud. There you have it. Blake Ruffino of Are You Serious Sports, as he mentioned, launching his new message board this week. If you head over to AYSSnetwork.com/forum, you could get in on the action. We had a lot of fun in that segment, but don't go anywhere. We got to wrap everything up and put a bow on it right here on the game: 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Welcome back into the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's crunch time with Miguez and Besh. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Matt Miguez, who's out on vacation. And this is the last segment of the week. I had a great time with you guys all week, but I got to remind y'all to join the Game Rewards Club. The Games Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. Or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen but you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. So, James, you and I, we could get Astros tickets, we could get an Apple Watch, and we could take our ladies out to dinner. Sounds like a plan. I don't know why more
2: people aren't in on these type of events. I, I I'm think, not sure. Yeah. I, like, if I would have known about this when I was only listening... I'd have been on top of that. Yes, come on, absolutely. It, we, we've given out cars. Come on, get we out. We give there. out tickets all the time.
1: Get out there and join the rewards club. Get out there and join the text club. So much fun to be had. I know it was a lot of fun hanging out with you guys these last two days. I want to thank you, Acadiana, for having me on your airways, filling in for Matt Miguez on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I had a ton of fun. I want to thank Blake Ruffino of RU Serious Sports for joining me today and talking all things LSU. Remember, head over to sports.com or his network and sign up for his form. Sound like he has a great thing going. I also want to thank Ralph as well as Ellis for calling in and talk a little bit of New Orleans Saints and talk about their depth chart situation. And also thank the main man behind the glass, James Mesh, who kept it all together these last two days and put up with me. More importantly, thank you, James. Appreciate that wholeheartedly. I look forward to be backing with you guys real soon, as soon as they need. Hope everybody has a wonderful and safe weekend. Don't forget, you can listen to the Astros right here on 103.7, pregame, 640, first pitch, 710. Have a wonderful weekend, Acadiana.